Hello, and welcome to Scared by Scott. I'm your host, Scott Newman. This episode contains two stories for you. Our first story is titled, drive through I was about an hour into my drive home, with another two hours to go. Cruising Interstate I-80 towards my destination, I suddenly felt the slightest of hunger pains begin to make their presence known. Having just witnessed the latest Star Wars movie, accompanied by my two brothers and some of their work buddies, I was the only one that had moved a distance away from our childhood home with my own family and was watching in the rearview mirror as I once again left it behind me. I decided to turn off at the next exit somewhere around 10 p.m. and pick up some food to hold me over until I reached home. As I got off, the next sign set me right into a lightly lit street with about a mile until my destination. Finally, after what seemed like driving for much more than a single mile, I saw the golden arches beckoning me, and I swear my mouth began to water instantly in anticipation. The building and parking lot were brightly lit as they normally would have been as I pulled into the drive through There were a few cars ahead of me, so I put on the radio and tried to find something to listen to as I waited. Oddly enough, I could not find anything but static on every station. Even the talk radio stations that I thought for sure would work were nothing but endless hissing in my ears. Slightly agitated, I let out a sigh and gave up. Figuring it was because I was just in the middle of nowhere and would have to suffer without it for a few minutes until I got back to the interstate. Now I can tell you I'm a very patient person and it takes a lot to get me mad. I'm well known for being very even keeled, but after sitting there for a little while, I looked down at the clock on the display and realized 10 minutes had passed already. Then five more minutes and still nothing. Not even the slightest movement from any of the cars ahead of me. I threw my hands into the air at this point and had become extremely pissed off. Thankfully, no one had pulled up behind me, so I backed up and parked in the nearest space. I wanted to know what the hell was going on and figured the people eating inside had better luck than the fools sitting in their static-filled vehicles. As I got out of my car and approached the door, the strangest sense of being watched from afar came over me. But I just shook it off to being late and to me being tired from driving. I pushed through the door and briefly looked to my right, towards where the bathrooms were located, and observed some other random people sitting down. I came up behind the one person ahead of me in line with an instant thought. Great, I hope this line moves faster than the drive through did. After standing for a bit, the sudden realization came to me that the entire place was dead quiet. And I mean no sound. No talking, no overhead music, none of the sounds you'd expect from a fast food joint. And even worse now, I looked upon the face of the woman behind the counter. 
Her expression was one of being completely blank. No emotion at all. She simply stood there, like someone had taken her picture, and the moment was frozen in time. I turned to look at all the people behind me sitting and standing. They too had the same deer-in-the-headlights look. Now thoroughly creeped out at this point, and wanting to leave, I began to move towards the same door from where I had entered, when a sound caught my attention. It came from the bathrooms, to my left. I slowly turned my gaze towards the source of the sound when I saw the men's bathroom door slowly creep open. I could see the light inside was flickering on and off like the bulb needed to be replaced, when what I saw next was enough to send me running to my car. Slipping through the space left by the cracked open door was a scrawny, skeletal-like hand with nails much too long. The forearm that followed it was just as awful looking, with tight skin stretched over the bones, wanting to push through. And the skin, the skin was a dark, grayish, sickly color. As I stood and watched the hand reach forward, it turned and its fingers began to beckon me towards it in a come-here motion. Then it spoke with a voice like someone with too much phlegm in their throat. Help me, can you help me please? After no answer from me, it spoke again. Come here and help me, I need you. Held in sheer terror, all I can sputter was, No, I'm sorry, I can't. And with that, I turned to run full sprint to my car. In an instant I was there, fumbling in my pocket with my keys, and I dropped them on the ground. My hands were shaking, and then, just for a moment, I glanced back to the restaurant. I wish I hadn't. Standing in front of the windows, side by side, were all the frozen people now staring at me with their eyes wide and mouths open. Shit! Shit! I yelled, and finally got my door open and went to slam the key into the ignition. In my full-on freakout, I of course missed the first two times, but got it in on the third. Just as I went to throw the car into drive, I saw a long shadow fall over my dashboard from behind. But I didn't look. I couldn't look. The thing from the bathroom was right on top of me now. Without further hesitation, I put the car in drive and sped out of that lot like a bat out of hell. I only looked back once in my rearview mirror, just enough to see the entire building and parking lot plunge into darkness all at once, with a faint silhouette of something large standing where my car had just been. I didn't stop the rest of the way home. I checked the back seat twice just to make sure nothing was there. When I got home, I ran into my house collapsed onto my couch. I didn't get up until 10 a.m. the next morning. When I went outside to go out for breakfast, I immediately stopped at the rear of my car. There was a sight of something gruesome. It was a grayish, bloody, skeletal finger. One of its fingers had gotten lodged into the rear bumper in my car. It must have grabbed it to stop me from leaving, but was torn off as I sped away. 
I pulled it out and gazed at it more closely before tossing it into the nearest sewer drain. Just then a thought went through my mind. Like a moth drawn to a light, with a spider waiting for it on the other side. And I was the moth last night. I just hope this spider doesn't come looking for the moth that got away. Our second story is titled, My Dog Buddy. When I was nine years old, my parents surprised me one weekend when they brought home a dog, and after much deliberation, I decided to name him Buddy. Why Buddy, you might ask? Well, because back then I wasn't a particularly creative child, and it just seemed to fit at the time. I was an only child, and I had been asking for a dog as a pet for a couple of years now. One great memory from my childhood was that I had the opportunity to experience every other creature imaginable as a pet, from small mammals to birds to sometimes something sporting scales. Buddy was a purebred German Shepherd, and definitely the most beautiful animal I'd ever laid eyes on. He had a look of great strength and courage, but also of being gentle as well. My parents brought him home that Saturday from the local shelter, and we took to each other instantly. Just a few years old like me, we grew up together, and he almost never left my side. Shortly after I turned 16, in the summertime of 1998, I was involved in a pretty bad car accident, and I suffered a concussion, among other injuries. I was forced to stop playing sports and was required to take it easy for a while during my recovery. At first there were times where I would stay in bed for most of the day and I wouldn't do much movement except for occasionally using the bathroom or going downstairs to eat dinner. My friends at the time would come over to see me, but it was the summer after all, and I couldn't blame them for not wanting to stick around long. It was during that time I started to notice some strange behavior changes in Buddy. Whenever evening came and the sun went down over the horizon, Buddy would move to sit by our back door and just stay there. It had a sliding glass door and you would have a wide open view of our backyard, which was just under a couple of acres leading up to a small forest at the edge of town. The yard was empty except for a few random yard tools that had been left sitting around and the trees of the forest showed nothing. I always thought he had been watching for some animal that I couldn't see. I even put on the back porch light a few times but still I could see nothing there. Now I'll say before this odd behavior started happening, Buddy would always end up sleeping at the side of my bed, but now I would wake up and find him still in the same exact spot every morning by the back door. Other nights he'd bark or growl, with my parents trying to get him to go to his kennel without much success. I'm not sure if he even slept on those nights. My parents would always say that sometimes dogs would behave in strange ways. This nightly ritual continued until I recovered. 
luckily in time for the next school year to start. I chose not to return to playing sports, per my parents' and doctors' wishes, and decided to focus on my academics. Buddy and I seemed to grow closer after that, with him continuing to be ever vigilant, but he had returned to sleeping in my room at this point. Some years passed, and I was now attending a local community college, pursuing a degree in nursing. On the day I turned 21, Buddy was diagnosed with a form of cancer that often affects large breeds of dogs. The heartbreaking decision was made after many tearful discussions and debates with my parents and the vet to have Buddy humanely euthanized as often as cancer advances with little or no symptoms. His cancer was advanced, and I kept telling myself it was the best option at the time. After all, I didn't want my best friend to suffer anymore. That afternoon, I said my last goodbye and gave him a kiss as a final gesture of our lifelong friendship. That night, I surprisingly found sleep easy, and I experienced something I could only describe as a dream or a vision. It still haunts me to this day, almost ten years later. In my dream, I wake up in bed, and I'm covered up to my eyes with my blanket, but the air seems cold and stale. I then find myself stumbling down the stairs towards the back door where I find Buddy just sitting there, as he always did. He's not barking when I approach him, but when I get to the door, I look out into the backyard, and I gasp in horror. Throughout my backyard, spread out into the trees as far as I can see like some sinister army, are dozens and maybe even hundreds of grotesque creatures of all shapes and sizes. Some are standing, others are crouched along the ground, and yet more were lurking in the trees, hidden in the shadows just beyond my blurry vision. Most of what I can only describe are humanoid-looking, with twisted, snarling faces and eyes of black and red, while others are more animal-like, with claws and teeth that could tear into my fragile human form without the slightest effort. As I slowly scan their forms one by one, I witness a few making chewing motions with their mouths. I try not to imagine what they might be chewing on as they looked upon me. Suddenly, one of the larger creatures, almost by my guess over nine feet tall, begins to shift forward towards us when Buddy lets out a ferocious bark like I've never heard before. The monster hesitated and stepped back, letting out a low growl itself that I could hear through the glass window. I stood witness for what seemed like hours, just frozen and unable to look away. As one after another, the monsters moved forward, only to be repelled time and time again by the barking of my dog. At one point I looked down at Buddy, and he turned to me. And I swear he had a certain look in his eyes. I woke up soon after that, and my shirt and bed were drenched in sweat. I only had that dream once. While sitting around my house, it dawned on me what had happened all those years ago. 
He had been protecting me from the unseen things that haunt and prey on us in the night, when we're at our weakest, most vulnerable. He was willing to give his life for mine without the slightest hesitation, and he did it for so many nights while I slept comfortably in my bed, oblivious to how close I came to certain death. All those awful, horrible things wanted in, wanted me, and he was my guardian angel. He saved my life, and I never got the chance to tell him thank you. But I will now. Thank you, my friend. I now know what I saw in his eyes. I think it was contentment. He was happy doing his duty for his master, and at that moment, sitting in my chair, I smiled to myself. These days, the only pets my family and I have are dogs. I know why they say dogs are man's best friend. This concludes our episode. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check the show notes for information about the stories and the authors presented in this episode. Please be sure to subscribe to Scared by Scott wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, try not to get scared.